Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, this is Dan Miller. Welcome into this edition of 48 Days Online Radio. Each week, I scan through the emails that come in that are submitted to askdan at 48days.com to pull a few that we can answer here on the radio to hopefully encourage not only the person who wrote that, but also many of the rest of you who probably find yourself asking the same kind of question. You know, that's the thing about good questions and about success principles. They're very transferable. I mean, I tell people often, if you go to real estate seminars and you're not interested in being a real estate investor, you're still going to walk away with things that you can use to help you be successful in whatever you're doing. Now, I just pulled real estate out as one example. I mean, that's true with anything. So don't deprive yourself of the many ways of uh, getting good help, good information. You know, one of the things, I was reading a, a book this morning. It's a new book called The Compound Effect. It's uh, by Darren Hardy, who's the editor, actually the uh, managing publisher of Success Magazine, which I certainly hope you're getting. I mean, that's one of those little things that I hope you're doing, but um uh, a lot of people, you know, get Time and Newsweek and uh, USA Today and things like that to keep you abreast of all the negative things that are happening in the world. Make sure that you're overshadowing those, if you get those at all, with things that are going to add to the success that you want. And Success Magazine is certainly one of those that I would put high on the list. So be taking advantage of that. But anyway, this little book is called The Compound Effect. And he talks about the fact that success as we want it never comes quickly. Don't expect to you know, make three easy payments and in 30 days have your life change. You make small deposits over long periods of time, and it can dramatically change the results that you're getting, change the life that you have, change your finances, all those things. So it just confirms those principles. But there's some a couple things in there that uh, kind of grabbed my attention just this morning as I was reading. Now, I, I usually am reading when I'm on the treadmill in the morning. I get on the treadmill. I have it built in TV, so it's easy just to have something on. But frankly, I very rarely turn that on. I get going at a very brisk pace, so I'm into a full sweat in five minutes or so, and I'm reading, but I find that that's a time where I can get a lot of great information and also be working out physically as well. But in this book, The Compound Effect, Darren says that he was interviewing Harvey McKay, and Harvey says, I've had 20 coaches, if you can believe it. I have a speech coach, I have a writing coach, I have a humor coach, I've got a language coach, and on and on. And then Darren says, I've always found it interesting that the most successful people, the truly top, the truly top performers, are the ones willing to hire and pay for the best coaches and trainers there are. It pays to invest in your improved performance. Now, you've heard me talk about that a lot. I mean, I get coaches for anything, any area in my life where I want to improve and I don't want to take a whole lot of time. I don't want it to take me five years to figure something out. So I get a coach. And I've had coaches as well, coaches for teaching me how to blog, how to podcast, uh, speech coaches, performance coach, health and fitness coaches, nutrition coaches. Of course, we have a massage therapist, but a lot of people whose expertise can add to the success that I want. 
So I use their expertise in ways that will help me more quickly achieve the kind of success that I want. Now with that, I mean, I really encourage you and people sometimes, I mean, I get a whole lot of emails and questions from people who say, I'd love to come to your right to the bank event as an example, but there's no way in the world I could ever afford it. Or I'd love to get Success Magazine, but I can't afford it. I'd love to have no more Mondays because I hear everybody talk about it, but I can't afford it. I'm thinking something is wrong here. I mean, if you're so close to the wire that you can't invest $20 in getting the best magazine out there to come to you monthly with a bill, with a CD in there, I mean, something's wrong. I mean, you're, you're too close to the wire. Now, if you, if you really are that close to the wire financially, I mean, you, you have my sympathy, but I would encourage you to do something. I mean, offer to wash somebody's windows on Saturday morning. So you get 20 bucks so you can make that investment into making your life better. When somebody says, I I can't come to the right to the bank event, you know, I want to, I want to publish my book. I want to get my book out there, but I can't come. That particular event, and I'm not just promoting that event, but I'm using it as an example because it's the lowest priced event that we do all year. It's $297. If somebody doesn't have that much money to invest in the process, they're going to have a really hard time making the book sales that they want to. Getting book sales requires that you invest a little in the process, that you prime the pump. And learning how to do it effectively uh, can explode your success. I mean, I, I've been going to writers' conferences for years and years and years. But years ago, one of the first ones I went to was with Mark Victor Hansen, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, Mega Book University, I think he called it. And I flew out to Los Angeles and went to that. I took voracious notes about the things that he said you needed to do to get a book published and get a book deal. At that point, I didn't have anything. I came back. I started selling the three-ring binder version of 48 Days. But within the next year, I did get a book deal. And things exploded from there. I mean, a couple years later, I got, you know, a $300,000 advance on another book. And that would have never happened had I not gone to those seminars to teach me how to prepare myself for those kind of events to come into my life. But I encourage you to get to a place where you're investing $250 a month in your personal success, your personal development. Again, don't just say, oh, I could never afford that. You know, it's easy for you to say, Dan, with where you are. But, you know, when I was flat broke, more than broke, when I had hundreds of thousands of dollars that I owed to vendors in the IRS, I never stopped doing the things that added to my own personal development and success. But during those times, trust me, I mean, I would much rather uh, buy a book that's going to add to my enjoyment than go out to dinner at a restaurant if I had to make that decision. So I think often we make decisions, we make choices that show us what we really value. But I encourage you to get to a point where you're investing $250 a month, just as kind of a benchmark into your own personal development, whether that's books or going to workshops, seminars, having a coach, getting training, something. But have have a budget for that. You can't grow an area. I mean, you, you can't develop a business if you had no budget for it at all. I mean, you can't develop a relationship unless you budget time and resources to that. So if you want to grow personally, then create a budget. View it as a business. View it as 
you know, you, your name, you know, Dan Miller Incorporated, and that's your business. I don't care what it is you're doing. If you're unemployed or if you're working for a traditional company and a traditional job, still see yourself as that independent entity and you want to grow and build that entity. Do that by investing in great resources. Well, a couple other things from the compound effect here, and then we're going to go to questions. Another uh, quote from Jim Rohn says, the day you graduate from childhood to adulthood is the day you take full responsibility for your life. I like that. Here's another one. This is, I love quotations. I mean, I use quotations a ton. I use a lot of quotations as takeoffs for the blogs that I do, articles that I do in a newsletter. I intersperse quotations liberally in any writing that I do in books. If you've had any of my books, you'll see that I have them full of quotations. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is there's a whole lot of wisdom in quotations that have been out there. So I draw on the wisdom of the ages, wisdom that has been laid down for us in history that we can draw from. And I think it's worth paying attention to. The other thing it does, it immediately puts you in context of great thinkers. I mean, when I write something and I say, incidentally, Socrates said this, or Abraham Lincoln, or John F. Kennedy, or Zig Ziglar, or Brian Tracy, or John Maxwell, whoever it happens to be, I have an implied connection with those people. So it gives you, as it has certainly done for me, it gives you an implied credibility that may go beyond where you happen to be at the particular time this stage in life, but use quotations liberally. So I've always done that. But here's a quotation out of the compound effect. Never ask advice of someone with whom you wouldn't want to trade places. Now, I always say that, you know, really successful people spend time with people who are performing at the level at which they want to perform. Now, I thought about this and I thought, you know, is that really true? Never ask advice of someone with whom you wouldn't want to trade places. Now, I know in the Bible, you know, God used a donkey to speak wisdom and truth. And I think I've had encounters with homeless people who have still had morsels of truth. So I'm not sure I want to go there. But but I love quotations that simply make you think, as that one does. But uh, make sure that you're exposing yourself to great content. And I appreciate the, the the comments that I get from you all, our listeners, about the podcast and the value that it brings to your life. I, I trust that's true. I know you wouldn't invest your time listening unless there were things that were adding to the success that you want in your own life. You know, here's another thing that I want to throw out there. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I got an email from somebody, one of you listeners, offering to create new podcast music. You know, I've been using the Taking Care of Business little uh, intro for a long time, and somebody offered to create new music. I'd love to have that done. I mean, I'm very open to that, and I cannot, for the life of me, find that email. If that was you, please email me again, um, and I don't need 20 of you to do that, but, but somebody who actually did email me, that's what you do. You create that kind of music. I'd love to talk to you about that. I simply somehow misplaced that email, and I know I've, I remember it, but I can't retrieve it. I can't find it in deleted files, junk files, all the things where it normally goes. I simply cannot pull it up. So if that was you, please shoot me another email to ask Dan at 48days.com. Well, this comes from Jeff, 
who says, Dan, I really want to thank you for a life-changing book, um, 48 Days to the Work You Love and No More Mondays. I have 29 years of printing and graphic art experience. I worked for two large publishing companies, but both jobs ended up in layoffs. I really like working for publishers, made good money doing so. I've worked in commercial print shops and hate it. I've moved to a small town now, a great town, and love it. But the big problem is I work for a commercial shop now, and I do hate it. I make only $24,000 a year and work long hours. There are no big publishing companies in small towns. I'm tired of working hard for others and making them all the money. I have designed my own line of inspirational and Christian-based posters. They're very unique, artistic, and eye-catching. I want to produce these posters on my own and sell them. In other words, I want to become my own publisher. Do you think this could work? I'm not sure where to market this and how to make sales. I have no debt outside of our house and I don't need much to live on. I just want to work on my own and have more time with the family. Do you have any suggestions? Thanks for everything you do, Jeff. Well, sure, Jeff. I have all kinds of suggestions for what you've described. And after 29 years of working in printing and graphic art for other companies, it's not unusual for you to see that you could do that on your own. But you have to realize all the time that you've been working for another company, somebody else has been taking care of sales. You've produced the technical or whatever kind of um, expertise you have into the process, but somebody else has been making sales. And without sales, you don't get paid for designing, creating the graphic designs. The whole system stops. So you have to step up to the plate and recognize, yes, you need to figure out how you're going to do selling. Creating a product is not the real big key here. If you create inspirational posters, that's wonderful. Now, you live in a small town, and all of a sudden, the fact that you live in a small town becomes irrelevant if you're going to create and produce and sell posters because obviously you're going to want a web presence to do that. So look at some of the companies that are doing that really well. There's a company out there called despair.com and they do kind of the demotivational posters and have knocked it out of the park with that. They do funny kind of inversions of the popular confidence builders, enthusiasm, team, leadership, all the posters that are positively done like that. And they do kind of the negative twist takeoffs on those, which I really love. I mean, I love what they've done. They did a t-shirt recently with all that was happening with Toyota, the problems that people were having with Toyotas uh, when they tried to break and they kept on going. That company did a t-shirt and it said, Toyota, once you drive one, you'll never stop. Well, I about fell out of my chair when I read that. And they even had right on there, you know, order your T-shirt quick because we're probably going to get a cease and desist letter from Toyota, which they probably did. But I think they sold like 10,000 T-shirts in a couple of days with that uh, cute little logo on, or slogan on there. I take off on something that was happening in the news. So just look at what are the other people are doing. What you're talking about is moving from employee somewhere around the circle to another position. Now, Robert Kiyosaki in Rich Dad, Poor Dad talks about four quadrants, and he described those as in the upper right-hand corner is employee. The bottom right-hand is self-employed. Then at the bottom left is business owner, and the top left is investor. So he saw people moving around, and he wanted people to move all the way around. Now, you don't need to do that, but just recognize when you're moving from employee to business owner or to self-employed, a lot of things change. Yeah, you have to take care of your own benefits, but you have the time freedom. 
uh, and you have open-ended income because it's not limited. You don't need to stick to $24,000 a year because it's open-ended. Can you put together a business plan that'll show how this is going to work? Pull the free business plan from my 48 Days blog site if you need one. Just work through that. It'll take you a couple hours to go through that so you don't miss any of the big pieces that you need to make this business successful. The cool thing about what you're describing is you don't need to quit your current job to try this out. So don't just go in and quit because you hate your job. Start what you're talking about. Do it on the side. And you ought to very quickly move to the point where you're generating $2,000 a month in income if you've got a viable idea at all. And from that, you're going to see that you're duplicating your current real job income and it'll make the transition pretty stinking easy. Lorneth says, Dan, numerous churches offer financial peace courses and food, clothing, banks, but not many provide educational assistance. We have numerous individuals who would love to return to school, but they have no idea who to talk to and what is needed to complete a GED, enroll in a trade school, four-year college or graduate school. I would love to bridge the gap between the church and colleges by providing one-on-one counseling to church attendees from all denominations. My issue is, should I make this a profit or not-for-profit? I do want to make money, but don't know if people are willing to pay for such a service. Well, if you're doing this in churches, you've got some interesting issues that are going to raise their heads real quickly. People are used to getting services in churches free. I mean, that's a challenge, although there are more things out there. I mean, we have the 48 Days Seminar, which certainly is not free, and a lot of churches are doing that. Things like Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Lori Beth, or, or Lori, uh, or Beth Moore, rather, Beth Moore's material. Uh, there's a lot of that out there. Henry Blackaby. I mean, there's a lot of course material in churches these days. It's not as foreign as it used to be, where people expected all the instructional material to be free. So can you do it? Yes. I have, I have some real strong feelings about this particular issue. There are a lot of churches because of the economic struggles that we're in. And if we're in a recession, whatever we want to call it, there are a whole lot of churches that are offering career counseling, some kind of a career transition program right now. And rightfully so. And I see lots of what is happening out there. I recently had a company uh, proposed to me that we offer the 48 days principles just in a PDF download. So it would not be, there wouldn't be no cost connected with it. People can just reproduce maybe a two page handout for each, each session and go through it like that. To have that as an option to the full seminar process where everybody has a workbook they're going to go through. They have audio CDs and DVDs that really take them through the process. I decided not to participate in the free version, not to brand that with 48 days. Now, here's why. You know, am I concerned that that's going to somehow dilute the market for people who are really paying? We end up with nothing. That is not my concern at all. If I thought that people would get results, I would be 100% for it. But my observation is that there's a whole lot of job clubs out there, free career classes at churches where people come and it kind of promotes the idea that misery loves company and six months go by and nothing changes because they don't have a clear agenda. They don't have a clear process to walk people through and people haven't invested anything in it and there's no change. I'm not a big fan of that. I don't want to waste people's time and have months go by where there's no real change. And I think to get real change, people need to invest in a clear process 
to get them different results than what they've been getting. And that may include paying for it. Now, you can do what you're talking about, and you, you can really do both in what you're talking about. You can offer a career class, but then have resources that are available. Let people know that you are a coach, if that's what you want to do, that they, you will work with them individually, but there is a charge for that. So you can set up a lot of things where there is an investment in the process, where people are going to get real help go through and get different results and you can generate money doing that. So you can do both. We do a lot of both. And again, I encourage churches to do something. If that's just a free job club or career transition program, that's fine. But believe me, all too frequently, I talk to people who have been going to the job club at their church for two years and they're still unemployed. That's not a good sign. I mean, a job club still, if it has real value, ought to be not just a place to commiserate with others who are in the same situation, but a place to get real tools to change where you are and do it quickly. Well, Cynthia says, thanks for your wonderful newsletter and blog. I'm an artist. I happen to get involved with a very shrewd client in a business deal. I did not realize this until I accepted her commissioning me to do two large paintings for her new salon. I casually know her. She's my hairdresser. We agreed on the amount and terms she could afford comfortably. So I was pretty easy with her. I delivered the goods, so to speak. When it was time for the payments, she started giving me excuses why she couldn't do it, although promised me she really would like to pay it off. By the way, we have a written agreement on the payment terms, which she has signed. Looks like this does not bind her at all. She was so arrogant when I called her to remind her of the money due. What's the best way to handle this? Well, for one thing, you're probably going to destroy using her as your hairdresser. That's okay. There's hairdressers everywhere. Golly, Joanne changes at the drop of a hat, it seems. It's funny what happens with Joanne. Joanne goes to a hairdresser. Without exception, she becomes their counselor. And so a couple months later, I'm hearing, oh, gee, I need to go you know, see Bertha, the hairdresser. And I'm dreading it because, you know, she's got a bad relationship with her husband and she wears me out when I go in there. And I tell her, hey, just get a new hairdresser. Go somewhere else. So, Joanne, rather than confront the situation, she tends to just go a different place until the same thing is repeated again. But in your situation, if the lady owes you money, she owes you money. If she signed an agreement, yes, the agreement is binding. You don't have to have it notarized. You don't have to have legalese in there. If she signs something that says she owes you 500 bucks, she owes you 500 bucks. If there's a timeline in there, I would stick to that. You can simply notify her that if she does not stick to this timeline, that you will have to resort to small claims court. Now, I'm, I'm going to assume that this is a small amount of money, that we're talking about less than $2,000. If that's true, just let her know that you're just going to turn it over to either your attorney and you can have somebody generate a letter or you can pull letters from the internet for $25 or, or nothing that have the sound of legalese. If you want to use that, you could send her a couple letters and you can simply just go to small claims court. It will hold up. She'll be forced to pay you the money. It's pretty clear cut. If the artwork is up, she agreed to pay you for it. She owes you the money. Go ahead and turn the heat up on her. Dan, this comes from Terry. Now, I'm not going to go through the, the whole thing here, but Terry is saying, I would like to offer you a heartfelt and belated thank you for your kindness suggestions. I talked about Terry's website, scenicoriginals.com. 
a couple months ago, as I recall, and made some suggestions for how to make it more user-friendly, how to, how to make it better. So anyway, it was uh, Scenic Originals, and she made some changes and got a sale that came through, and she talked about uh, the effect that that had. Uh, you know, I'm saying she, I'm frankly not sure if Terry is he or she. It's one of those Names could go either way. I'm not real sure, but let's assume it's a she. But anyway, uh, Terry says, as a small token of my appreciation, I'd like to send you a print of your choosing from one of my galleries. And I did go there, and I chose one. It's of a, a winding robe with that is titled Curves Ahead, which kind of is a good depiction of the way that our life kind of unveils itself. There's always curves in the road that we don't appreciate. So thanks for that, Terry. I'm glad. I'm delighted that's working better for you. You know, I go to a lot of sites and especially with artistic creative people, they want to convince you of their artistic ability on our website. So you go there and it takes, you know, 30 seconds for it to open because they've got a lot of flash loading or they've got a slideshow that opens. That's going to kill you. People aren't going to wait for that. I know the technology is there, but there's been a little real pendulum swing away from that kind of technology. Have something that loads instantly, is easy to read, bright, easy to navigate, simple, means simplicity. We're, we're in the process right now of rebuilding uh, several websites that will be more integrated into one kind of general portal. Long story there, but I'm really excited about that. But in doing that, our primary site, 48days.com, has so much content on it that has just uh, gravitated in over the years. And we're eliminating probably 95% of what's there. It's just content that's just sitting there. People don't use it enough to justify having it there. It just bogs it down, makes it cumbersome. So we're going to move it. Um, many sites are simply big business cards. And it's not really easy to find how to get the product or service. Make it easy for people. Uh, don't just wow people with technology. It'll stop you dead on actually doing business. Richard says, Dan, I read your book, uh, 48 Days to the Work You Love. Currently reading No More Mondays. Appreciate your insight and advice. I have a master's degree in computer science, over 12 years of experience in software development and research. Now listen to this. This is, this is interesting kind of development here. Guys in computer science, over 12 years of experience in software development research. In the past few years, though, I've become increasingly dissatisfied with this type of work. As my dissatisfaction increased, so did my stress and anxiety, and I found it harder to work through complex problems and maintain acceptable performance. I found myself sitting at my desk, staring out the office window, and longing to be outside enjoying the beautiful nature God created. I remembered how growing up I swore I would never get a job that required me to sit at a desk in an office all day long. Now, again, the reason I'm reading this is because there are probably about 6,000 of you who are listening to this who identify with exactly the same kind of feelings. He continues, finally, I could not take it anymore. And this last fall, I took advantage of an opportunity to go to Peru and volunteer for a mission organization. My employer offered me a leave of absence, which I accepted. I thought that perhaps... Eight months in the Amazon jungle would prepare me to return to the office. However, as my time here is coming to an end, I found that is not the case. If anything, I'm less ready to go back to an office after spending so much time working outdoors in a less structured, free-flowing environment. Last week, I decided to quit my job rather than return at the end of my leave. Some of my relatives have questioned my decision to leave a very well-paying job during this poor economy, but I think it's the best decision. 
Now, for the first time, since I can remember, I have no definite plans for the future. I have no job lined up when I return to the United States and no definite idea about what I want to do. I have years of training and experience in a field that typically involves sitting in an office, something I no longer want to do. I really want to spend my time outside, enjoying nature, traveling, being creative, serving others. My question is, how can I do that and still leverage my skills and expertise with computers and software? Or is it time to completely start over? Well, Richard, let me just offer a couple quick tidbits here. For one, I wish you would have used the eight months that you've been gone to create a plan, you know, to reach the end of that period of time and then make a decision to quit without having any plan puts you in a in a very difficult situation. Now, I don't know how critical it is that you start generating income right away, but to not have a job and not have a plan, not have it, have income, I mean, does require you need to create a plan and do it quickly. Fortunately, that is not something that needs to take six months of planning or another eight months in Peru, but you better carve out three days and make some critical decisions If you need to generate immediate income, how are you going to do that in the next 30 days? When you say that you really want to spend your time outside, enjoying nature, traveling, being creative, serving others, can you do that and also embrace your skills in computer science? Absolutely. There are a lot of things that would integrate those. I mean, you can be involved in forestry or in landscaping. I mean, more and more landscaping lawn maintenance, those kind of things are going, are, are becoming computerized. I mean, golly, when guys come out here and give me estimates on what they're going to do, almost without exception, you know, they pull out a computer and do some kind of a design for what they're going to do, you know, on the spot. Had an exception to that. We have, um, we have a really stellar water feature in front of our house. It's something that I wanted to do for many, many years. I had the space already mapped out for it. When we bought the house that we're currently in, I put in a sidewalk in the front and left about 25 feet between the sidewalk and the house. Now, for temporary, I filled that in with landscaping. Joanna and I had fun with some little interesting things there, but I knew that was the space that I had already in my mind visualized a really spectacular water feature. So I knew that that was coming. Well, last year we did that. Um, So again, one of those things, I saw it years in advance, visualized it, imagined it, saw it in my mind, knew it was coming. The guy had do that. I had four or five guys come out and give me estimates on a water feature there. And all all of them except one did use computer-generated designs to then sketch out on graph paper what every inch would look like what plants would go where how the water would flow the elevation blah 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 the guy had do it did none of that he came out looked at this guy is a true artist he came out looked at it and says dan man i don't have any idea what it's going to look like but trust me it's going to be spectacular sign here (laughs) now i had watched his work for 10 years everything i'd ever seen that he did was spectacular and i did exactly what he suggested i said man i trust you to create something like you've never done before it's not just a sketch out of a book go for it you know, and started cutting him checks as he developed that. It is spectacular. He didn't know what it was going to look like, but he developed it as he went along, and it's spectacular. So 
there are exceptions, but for the most part, yeah, you can integrate your computer science background with all kinds of things you want to do outside, but then get creative about what that's going to look like. You know, how, what are eight or 10 different opportunities where you can combine that? Are you going to then approach companies where there would be that kind of an integration and an opportunity for you? Or are you going to do something more non-traditional, creative and entrepreneurial where you would be working on your own, but create a plan, create a plan of action. You know, don't wait just for a job that makes that work. Create a plan of action, how you're going to make it work, even if you never find a job that brings those together. Fran says, Dan, I've been a listener to the podcast for a few months now, and after listening to the most recent one, thought moved to comment on the excellent audio quality. I've worked in broadcast and production in the past. I've learned a few things about audio and video quality. In your most recent podcast, I noticed a few things that you're using a good microphone with equalization, highs and lows properly tailored for your voice, some level compression and a noise gate. It sounds very good. Whatever it is, keep doing it. Well, thanks, Fred. Most of what you described, I don't even understand. But thankfully, that's one of those areas where, yeah, I got a coach. I mean, Cliff Ravenscraft. Our podcast answer man on 48days.net. When you hear me talk about him openly, he was my coach. He set me up with the equipment. I got a microphone that would put Rush Limbaugh to shame. Uh, Yeah, it's a killer microphone. All the equipment I've got. It's interesting. This week, I am limping along with some of my equipment not working. I don't have headphones on this week to hear myself. Because we had a major lightning strike here in our property last week, and it knocked out all kinds of things. It took out parts of my sound mixer. It totally fried my computer. It took out some other computer uh, technology and some other audio equipment that we have. Now, you may be thinking, Dan, aren't you smart enough to have surge protection and uh, backup and all? Yep, yep, yep. Got all that in place. Trust me. When lightning strikes close enough, it doesn't matter if you have surge suppressors and the backup protection and all that. It gets through. It jumps through and gets in the lines that you never dreamed of. We had a major strike hit a tree about 30 feet from the back corner of my office. It, the, the tree absolutely exploded. I mean, it's, I've never seen anything like it. I'm a farm kid. I've seen a lot of trees that have been hit by lightning, have been around when cows have been killed from standing under trees that got hit by lightning, where there's then a big black mark or a scorch mark on the tree. I've never seen anything like what happened here on our property. The tree literally exploded. There are pieces of the tree that are 40 feet away from where the tree was and parts of the tree that are totally separated and dropped back down on the ground. So I'm, I'm limping along, but I appreciate your comments because yes, I did some things a few months ago to make some major changes in the audio quality of the podcast. Uh, It's one of those things where I didn't wait until everything was perfect to start. No, I started using a little $19 lapel mic from Radio Shack, but uh, built an audience. And as I found that people really did respond to the content, then I said, I need, I owe it to them to make the quality better and uh, hopefully have done that. Got a note here from Ted who says, congratulations, Dan. I just ran across the nice insert for your new book in my July success magazine. That's great. And uh, you heard me talk about Success Magazine earlier, and it wasn't because they've been so kind to me. But yeah, I was getting notices from people 
for a couple of days said, man, I saw the promotional spot for No More Mondays in Success Magazine. Now, that's one of those things. I never talked to them, and we never talked about that at all. But they reviewed it as one of the things that ought to be in an entrepreneur's toolkit, and I'm delighted about that. So the new Success Magazine, it has, who does it have on the cover? I can't think who it has on the cover right off the bat. But anyway, it's the July issue. Oh, Kenneth Cole. There you go. Kenneth Cole is who's on the front cover. And uh, on page, I think it's 15, there's a nice little segment on No More Mondays. So, But thanks for your note, Ted. Patrick, now here he describes this as an ethical question. He says, Dan, I work as a sales consultant at a car dealership and have been there only three months. It's an hour's drive from home each way, adding 10 hours a week driving in just driving time. However, they've been good to me and have spent dozens of hours training me for the position here. A similar opportunity may become available in my own town in a couple of months. There are obvious advantages in going to the new dealership, but I feel somewhat guilty in leaving my present position, falling short of their expectations of me to stay with them and use my newfound skills there rather than at another dealership. Should I leave the current dealership if the hometown position is offered to me? Should I even think about pursuing it? Thanks, Patrick. Well, Patrick, you raised some interesting issues in this. For the most part, I think that there is an implied agreement when you take a traditional job with a company. And I think that usually is going to be two to three years. Now, trust me, this varies. That's a real general kind of range. Because if you take a position at Taco Bell... And 30 days from now, you find something better, you need to leave. You don't need to stay there at an entry-level position. So it depends on the position. But in a more professional position, I think there ought to be some implied agreement that you're going to stay there for, you know, 24, 36 months based on, you know, them giving you the opportunity and investing time and all that in you. However, and there is a however in this, because you're talking about being in car sales. Car salesmen create a revolving door. They come and go. There are dealerships here in the Nashville and Franklin area that have ads in every weekend advertising for, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime, uh, no experience required, and they just get warm bodies in there and they figure anybody can sell to three people that they know. And if that's all they do, they rotate them out after 30 days and they're gone. So it's pretty expected in car sales that people come and go. So it's not going to be any great shock if after three months you decide to leave. A couple things are probably true. If the training they provided you, the opportunity they provided you, all of a sudden opened the door for you to be making $100,000 a year, you probably wouldn't be thinking about leaving so quickly anyway. So I doubt that you're bringing them immense value or that you're getting immense rewards for what you're doing if you are, in fact, thinking about a new position. So I don't think there's a big obligation Anyway, from either direction here, if you decide to do something where it's more convenient to your house and you're going to stay there, if it's something that makes more sense and it's a reasonable opportunity, then go ahead and do it. Another part of what you're talking about is in car sales. Historically, people who do really well develop relationships with their customers. So it's not just a matter of showing up on a particular day and selling to whoever happens to walk on the lot. Your real money is made because you stay in contact with somebody you sold a car to three months ago, and now they have a son or daughter who needs a car or a first cousin. 
I mean, that's how I made lots of money in car sales years ago. Loved doing it. Still have a strong attraction to it. If I ever needed to do something different, I would be a game for getting back in the car business in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, it's something that I do enjoy. But my first year of selling cars in California, there was one extended Hispanic family that I sold 14 cars to the same family. When you include aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers-in-law, and all that, 14. You don't do that just because you happen to be in a geographic location and people walk onto the lot or the guy ran some kind of ad on television that weekend. You do that by developing relationships. So if you're going to be in car sales, I encourage you to find a place where you want to be and then develop relationships over a period of years. Those relationships are what will bring you more and more business, make you more and more successful. Joe Girard was a car salesman at a Chevy dealership in Chicago. He's in a Guinness Book of Records, and I doubt that he'll ever be replaced because he has records for you know selling like two cars for every every day of the year. That doesn't happen just because you're a great salesman. He had a reward system in place where he would sell a car. He'd give you a stack of cards, you know, with uh, you write your name on the back. And if anybody came back in with a card and bought a car, you'd get like $25. This was years ago. But that's the kind of thing that Joe did to absolutely make him a salesman that just defied all records. And that's the kind of thing ultimately you want to look for if you're going to be successful in car sales. Corey says, Dan, I have a question about licensing agreements, but uh, he talks about how generous I've been. He appreciates all the free information that I've gotten. And he says, just as you said before, because of all the free content, I have purchased many of your products over the years, beginning with the 48 days to the work you love and 48 days to creative income back when they were in three ring binders. Well, that that's cool. And yeah, I talk a lot about the phenomenon of giving away content And all it does is increase trust and rapport where then people ultimately do spend money. I mean, it's the Chick-fil-A thing. You're walking through the mall. Do they say, hey, come over here and spend money? No, they run out there and say, here's a free piece of the juiciest, tastiest chicken you've ever had in your life. That's a concept that works in a lot of environments. Well, Corey says, now on to my question. You've mentioned product licensing for entertainers, affinity groups, etc. a few times on the show and in print. Can you provide any additional information or resources regarding how licensing is done, how to negotiate licensing agreements, and who one should contact, such as a marketing company or agent, in order to start this process? I'm not sure which direction you're talking about. If you're talking about how can you sell things that have NASCAR on them or Alan Jackson or Taylor Swift or something like that, there you just simply contact the product providers. The licensing has already been taken care of. You don't need to do anything. Um, Most are going to have you know, standardized agreements. You just buy the product and sell it. If you look at something like life is good, Now, that's a trademarked phrase because of the company that now produces hats, mugs, T-shirts, bags, Frisbees, all those things with life is good on them. You know, bumper stickers, you just buy their stuff. Again, the trademark logo is on the product. So licensing is only an issue if you want to manufacture your own mugs and put their slogan on it. But now keep in mind here, the money is not in the manufacturing. It's in selling the final product. So if you want to manufacture 
t-shirts and mugs and calendars, you're going to make pennies because then you distribute those to people who are going to do the selling. If you really want to make money from licensed products, sell the product, be the one who's selling the product. I'm not sure I answered your question well, because I'm not sure if you're looking for an idea that you have that you want to license out. Uh, That's pretty tough to get traction on that. I mean, there are licensing companies out there. There are attorneys that handle those kind of intellectual property agreements. You can contact them or just do an online search and get some information about that. But I suspect you're talking about how to take a well-known entity where you can reproduce that on a product that you then sell. And again, if you want to do that, just contact the organization. I mean, you can call Taylor Swift's organization, boom, pick up the phone, and you're going to find somebody that will tell you exactly what you need to do in order to have her likeness or her name on a product. Carol says, I have plenty of time to read online, but unavailable for listening online. Is there any way to read the text of the 48 Days radio shows instead of listening to the broadcast? I love this show, but need to read it instead. Any way to do this? Respectfully, Carol, no, there is not. Now, is there a lot of content out there? Absolutely. I've actually had people volunteer to transcribe the text. Now, that's a lot of content. Now, that's a lot of, there's a whole lot of things we can talk about. There are a lot of things that I'm going to be talking about in our Right to the Bank uh, event here this week because it relates to exactly this issue. Every time I do a podcast, I'm creating a massive amount of content. So even though it's in an audio form and an audio form only at this point, could I go back and recapture that categorize the things that had to do with resumes, interviewing, startup, finding money, you know, getting published? Yeah, we have a lot of content there and I could do that, pull all that together and create new products. Will I ever do that? Frankly, I doubt that I will because I have so much other content that's coming out all the time. It would just be overload. I have so many projects at this point uh, pulling together things that are already printed. I doubt that I'll do that. So in answer to the question, and it's a long answer, I'm sorry about that. No, there is no way to read what is online. Now, frankly, some of you may let me know that there's technology to do the transcription. I mean, we have things like Google voice. I mean, there are things that will take a, an audio input and transcribe it. I've not looked into that. Again, I, I, we give people a lot of options for content. I don't want to overload people and having it in an audio form seems to fit some people. If you prefer print, you're going to get a lot of similar content in my blogs or newsletters. David, Says, Dan, I've been working on some book ideas for a while. Would love to gain the information from the conference this weekend, but I'm a pastor and have a wedding. Will be unable to attend. Are you guys planning to podcast or record the sessions at all? Mostly what I hate is missing the community of writers, but I would enjoy receiving the information. Thanks, David. Church of the Apostles in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, thanks for your question, David. No, we will not be recording the content. We're going to have... Uh, publisher, the publisher of Thomas Nelson will be here. My senior editor from B&H Publishing will be here. Kent Julian, an author from Atlanta, will be here. Uh, Eric Weisner, another author from North Carolina who wrote the book Success Made Simple, will be here. So we're going to have a lot of people here providing content. Yeah, would it make sense to just record everything and create a product? Yes, but we aren't going to do that. Two reasons. One is 
we tend to be very informal. People are moving around the room. People speak from the back of the room. To get good, clean audio content for all of that is really a nightmare. I don't want to constrain people by saying, oh, you got to wait to speak until we have a microphone in your hand. People just talk. It's very spontaneous, very open. We talk while we uh, sit around and eat and have snacks and walk down the nature trails. I mean, there's all kinds of things. I don't want to artificially impose constraints on all of that. The other thing is people share extremely openly when they're here in live events. So if we have a group of 50 people in a room, people share things that they would be hesitant to share if they knew that was going to be sold as a product you know, to 20,000 people. I don't want them to have to think like that. This is a protected environment. They're here. They paid to come. What we, it's like what's in Vegas stays in Vegas. What's in the sanctuary stays in the sanctuary. You know, I'll probably tell people that when we start the event tomorrow, but no, we will not be, um, we will not be sharing it beyond the event itself. Well, God, I got some other great questions here. I'll save those for the next time. We're, we're right on top of the time. I'm going to end with that. Again, if you're interested in um, more information, getting involved in the 48days.net uh, group, we've got right at 6,000 people now there who are building ideas as they share and brain tr- brainstorm with other people. Tremendous resources there to grow your idea. Um, there's no cost. I don't care if you get involved or not, but if it's something that works for you that will accelerate your success, sure, join us there. Uh, Check out the live events that are coming up. And uh, above all, I know that as you are going through this process, you're serious about finding or creating not only work, but a life that you love. Have a great week.